This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you <coughs> to go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. All right, um, E has our message this morning. If everyone could mute um, their microphones, we'll be able to um, hear E. Thanks. Oh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Surge. Uh, so the next three messages, including today, will be me. Uh, this gives Dwayne a chance to have a real vacation. He's spending some time with family. Um, he'll be back in a few days um, uh, on the beach in Delaware and also uh, in somewhere near there, Cape May, I think. Uh, but this also gives him a chance to work on messages all the way through 2022. We actually work on messages a year in advance, which is really fun. And it seems like there's a couple of uh, Sundays in the summer where it's way too much me. <laughs> so sorry about that, but we'll get through it. Uh, but thank you, Karen. Thank you, Suzanne. That was really, really lovely. So uh, for these next few weeks, I wanted to look at slices of relationships that we all experience, some in different seasons of life. And so I decided to call this series Salational. It's seasonal, it's relational, it's sensational, it's salational. And, and don't listen to the naysayers. Salational is in no way a ridiculous and made up word. So we'll talk about this in, the, in something of a, of a four by four matrix. It's not nearly this complicated, but basically coworkers, which we did last week. Today is friends. We'll talk about romance and family, primarily parents and children. And we'll look at each of those through four lenses, prayer, intentionality, service, and how this becomes a picture of our own relationship with God. Again, sounds more complicated than it is. It'll be super simple, practical, helpful. Today is about friends. I brought my friend Groot with me as a as a little uh, thing. If that's bothering people, just you know let me know, and we'll we'll uh, set Groot aside. We'll send him off to play with Bible Bear, and we'll be okay. Uh, okay. So when I think about friends, I'm reminded of stories uh, uh, from different chapters of life. But one I'll share is from high school. I actually grew up in a very small town in Oklahoma, uh, without rhythm, <laughs> and and at some point my friends and I appointed ourselves the ministers of harmless mischief <laughs> to spice things up a bit. It was very slow, it was very rural, it was very, you know, uh, sleepy. And things were slow, they're very boring. The townspeople, they needed us, they needed us. And so we, we decided to, to step up. So one summer morning, actually it was a summer morning a lot like this summer morning, it was hot but kind of lovely. Um, we were driving into town and we saw, sadly, a, a dead animal on the side of the road on one of the major highways coming in. It was really large and we couldn't tell exactly what it was so we decided to investigate um so this is how slow things were in town you know an animal that that has perished is, is an event um so my friend jumped out he ran over he looked at the animal he came back and said it's a badger now badgers are not super common in oklahoma and it was kind of an an odd position on the side of the road 
um, and you have to understand we love we loved animals and that's common in rural America everybody has dogs and cats and rabbits and their their pets everywhere we loved animals and we hated to see anything bad happen to them and apparently the badger had not been run over by a car or or harmed it had lived a full long life and it just passed away on the side of the road randomly um, in full view of traffic so it was a badger so my, my contribution to this uh, silliness was well should we should we tell someone <laughs> and so we all kind of grinned we happened to have paper and a magic marker in the vehicle with us so right there on the side of the road we made a quick quick sign in large block letters that said it's a badger <laughs> and we decided to label the animal to help people who might be driving by so my friend jumped out again his little sign in tow he got to the badger and this is the kind of awful part of the story and i'll just apologize now but there really wasn't a good place to put the sign where it wouldn't blow away um but where the poor creature had died it's foot was extended kind of like this it was kind of on his back and so he took the sign and actually stuck it on the foot of the badger and it was it was right there and we just left it there it's a badger mission accomplished so for weeks for weeks this was news the town was buzzing about this for for quite some time i now personally heard this story this some version of this story about 20 times i was driving down highway 9 i was coming into the co-op to get some feed and there was a dead critter on the side of the road i couldn't really tell what it was so I did my thing at the co-op, and on the way back out, someone had put a sign on it. Apparently, it was a badger. <laughs> and so one of the other farmers of the conversation would go, I saw it too. I didn't know what it was either. But then there was a sign. And, and I appreciated the sign. I, I thought that was very considerate. <laughs> and so th this, is, this is what I'm talking about. When it comes to friendship, not only can friendship help you navigate the uncertainty and angst of teenage years, but it can provide public service communication, perhaps a much needed comedy <laughs> in, in summertime when it's just too hot to identify the animal yourself, uh, friendship can step up and really help the community at <laughs> large. So uh, we'll move on. Um, so uh, there is a guy named Aristotle. He was a Greek philosopher and he wrote a book called The Nicomachean Ethics. And actually it's a really interesting book. He's talking about a, lot, a ton about relationships, but probably 30% of the book is about friendship and friendship as one of the major virtues and he, and he holds forth at length saying that it's impossible to be virtuous without friends isn't that an interesting idea so Aristotle smart guy and the Bible says lots of interesting things about friendship in our men's group we recently went through the book of Proverbs and and uh, when we did that it just kind of caught my caught my ear but here's a few verses from chapter 27 about friendship specifically better is open rebuke than hidden love faithful are the wounds of a friend Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. <laughs> one who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend or your father's friend. Later in that chapter, it compares friendship to iron sharpening iron, and this is a good thing. We, we help each other in this way. It also says that friends can stick closer than a brother. And this is often true. Uh, your family may stick by you, but the reality is they may not like you very much. <laughs> but, they're, but they're your family. They're, they might stick by you. But friendship is more chosen. We choose our friends. And uh, these are people that we actually pick to, to hang out with. There are great pictures of friendship in the Bible. There's Joshua and Caleb, Elijah and Elisha. There's David and Jonathan. We read about Jesus and his disciples. And ironically, even though this is clearly a part of life and clearly a big part of life, it doesn't get a, friendship doesn't get a lot of press. 
And this has always been true, I think, in popular thinking. It's all about romantic love. It's all about family and parents and children. And it's all about societal relationships. It's all about the political stuff that's making noise. People don't talk a lot about friends. You know, Tim Keller talking about this points out that we don't put who is best friend with who on the cover of Cosmo, right? Right. Our culture isn't jazzed by friendship. Romance carries the day. The clickbait on the internet is who's sleeping with who, you know, it's like who's who's out with who, who's kissing who, not who's good friends with who. We don't, nobody cares. Um, and let's compare the number of songs written about squishy romantic love and, it, you know, or the songs about friendship. There's, there's a lot more in bucket number one. But stealing from C.S. Lewis here, and, and he says, and he's right about this, that, that friendship, part of the reason for this is that friendship doesn't have the biological or the societal imperative that other loves do. It's like without romantic love, the human race dies out in about a generation. You know, that's very bad. And without, without parents and children, the, the little babies don't do very well. We, we, need, we need those kinds of love to help us be okay and to, to make it to the next generation just to survive. But friendship is really different in nature. It's entirely chosen. It isn't strictly necessary in those kinds of ways for us to survive. So parents are looking for children to love and help them. Children are looking for parents to help and support and negotiate permission for independence. Lovers are looking at each other into each other's eyes and cue the romantic music, and we, we write a lot about this. But friends are really different. It's a different kind of thing. So friends aren't so much looking at each other like uh, people who are in love will do. They're not super focused on each other. They're, they're more interested in a common interest. So the picture is, is of two friends standing shoulder to shoulder looking at a thing that they're both interested in. There's a common thing that draws them together. Um, now to be sure, other loves can overlap with friendship. Often romantic love, the people will become friends because they do a lot of, of, of stuff together. And I can't imagine not having Karen as, as a great friend as well as an amazing wife. But friends are more discovered than pursued. We love music and we're, we're learning an instrument and suddenly we discover other people who love music too and we play with them. And this becomes, this common ground becomes a foundation for friendship. Or we're trying to figure out school as a teenager and we discover someone else who's struggling with the same things that we are and it's common ground and suddenly we have friends in this shared context and we can, we can label animals in our spare time. And, and this may sound odd, but because of the nature of friendship, it may be, and I'll say this carefully, but I think this is true, it may be the most spiritual of all of the loves. It may be the most spiritual. Mm. Not, uh, don't misunderstand this, and, and Lewis talks about this as well. Friendship can go bad, right? It can, it can be bad. It can become insular. Um, it can easily become us and our group versus them and their group, and they're terrible. It can tend towards a tribalism and, a, and an exclusive mentality. You know, we're better than that. We get it, but they don't get it. <laughs> so they're, they're terrible. They're, they're Philistines, as it were. But when it's operating as God intended, Friendship can be really amazing. It can be really wonderful. And, and, and consider this. Even as families, when, when our time comes and when we go to heaven, we're going to be on much more even footing with our parents and our grandparents and our children than, than perhaps we are now. Parents and children will be more like equals in that setting, not caretakers slowly switching places, right, over time. And, and at mm -hmm. one point, Jesus, uh, somebody asked Jesus, what if somebody's been widowed? What if they've been married a couple of times when they all get to heaven and you've got a bunch of people looking at each other? Won't that be a mess? Won't that be a mess? Won't that be something? And Jesus says, no, it's going to be fine. Listen, when we get to heaven, we'll be more like the angels. And we yeah. really won't be men and women in the same way that we are now. We'll kind of be beyond romantic love, beyond a sexual love in fundamental ways. So taking that seriously in a fundamental way, it seems to me that the primary love in heaven 
between people, between all of us, between the, the people that you know, it'll be the love of friendship. Friendship will, will carry the day in heaven. And that's really cool. So we should think about it. We should get good at it because it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be awesome forever. It's going to be really good. So let's hit friendship um, in our four different ways very quickly. Uh, the first one is this. Pray. Pray that God will send you friends. Pray that God will send you two people to be their friend. And remember that we don't really go looking for friends directly. Um, we chase what God is doing in life right now, and we tend to find friends on the way we discover them. It's like, oh, you too. I thought I was the only one, and suddenly you're friends. And because of the shared interest and this foundation of friendship, this will most often occur as God has given you to do the things that he's given you to do. So, so you don't have to look for friends directly. Do, do your thing and then be open to relationships that may, that may come along the way. But when you find friends, when you have friends, surround them in prayer. This is something really cool that we can do, and we can do it every day. Um, pray for their relationships. Pray for their health. Pray for their money, for their finances. Pray for their career, for their family, for their decisions. In your shared interest where you overlap with them, if that's big or small, pray that God will bless that shared endeavor. It's something, and, and do it every day. It's something that will change. It will drastically change your relationship. Add it to your daily activities. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for the stuff you're working on, but pray for your friends. Lift your friends up to God in prayer. Pray that God will lead them, that he'll speak to them, that he'll help them, that he'll make them be the very best that they can be, and watch. Watch what happens. Pray for your friends. Second thing is this. Be intentional. And this is where we get back to Proverbs. Because friends have a unique ability to talk to each other in ways that are really direct, but still really kind and really loving. We reassure and encourage but in the context of a true friendship, we really can tell each other to cut it out. You know, we can do that gently, but we can tell each other, we can really be direct. And as Proverbs says, the sweetness of a friend comes from honest counsel. And goodness, do we need this. I mean, I, I certainly need it. Now, we want to tread carefully here because no one wants to be hammered. No one wants to be corrected all the time. I've, and, and, you know, there's always something that we could do better. And there's always something that you could tell me that's going to bother me. Um, you don't, we don't have to be right about everything all the time. It's tedious, it's irritating, it can really drive a wedge, but sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's necessary, and it can be a really good thing. A true friend in that sweet spot of godliness can tell us the truth, can tell us something we need to hear in a way that we can receive it, even if it's hard to hear. And we can hear it from a friend because we know that they want the best for us, and it might even be causing them pain or discomfort to speak up, right? And so we can, we can listen to them. And when Proverbs 27 says, faithful is the wounding of a friend, this is what they're talking about. This is why Jesus could hit back, you know, when Peter says, Jesus is talking to the disciples at the end of, at the end of, the, of his life, and he says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die soon. And Peter says, no, no, it's not God's will for you to die. We'll protect you. We'll, we'll do a thing, you know. And, and, and Jesus just steps on him pretty hard. Get behind me, Satan. He says it really aggressively, and, and he does this not to be mean. But because he loves him and he needs him to see that this is what God is doing. He needs him to see the truth about what's coming next. And this is very much the correction of a friend. It's, too, it's something too important to just leave it alone and leave it unsaid. At the same time, friendship is really, really cool in this way. And we all, we all have experienced this. It will encourage us. It will build us up. It will give us permission when nobody else will. We get fired or the romantic relationship dies in sadness like a badger on the side of the road. You know, we're devastated. The publisher rejects our novel again. We get another rejection letter. And where do we go? Where do we go? 
we go to our friends, right? Have someone who will eat ice cream with us or commiserate with us or just, you know, go to a movie or not talk about the thing that we don't want to talk about. And, and goodness, are our friends lifesavers in that context? They can tell us the truth. They can give us counsel and perspective, but they can also see us like God sees us and they can really build us up when we need it the most. So be intentional with your friends. Look to build them up. When they need to hear a hard truth, be faithful to give it. But do that gently, do that carefully, do that lovingly, and be the kind of friend who will speak up when a zipper is undone <laughs> or you have a piece of cheese on your face because that's what friends do, right? We all want that kind of friend. So pray for your friends. Be intentional in making time to spend with them. Be intentional with your friends to be honest with them and also look to build them up. All right, third thing is this, look to serve. So in, in, in biblical pictures, there's a wonderful friendship that we get in the books of First and Second Samuel of David and Jonathan. This is King David and Jonathan, the, the son of Saul. It's perhaps the most poignant picture of friendship in, in, the, entire, in the entire Bible. And, and it's interesting because Jonathan, as the son of Saul, was in line to be the next king. He was the crown prince. But he saw very clearly what God was doing and that David was the guy. Samuel came and anointed David to be the next king as a shepherd boy. He also <coughs> saw what God was doing. And, and both of them wanted God to move. They really did. They wanted what was best for Israel. They wanted what was God to move. And they wanted that more than they wanted their own agenda. But in this friendship that develops between these two men in this extraordinary time, it, it, it's really something. It's really interesting to watch it play out. Because it would have been the easiest thing in the world for Jonathan excuse me, to throw up roadblocks for David. He was threatening his own family's kingdom, and, and this was an incredible love, an incredible friendship. He, 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 would have, he was acting against his own self-interest to help David and to be his friend. On David's side, he had chance after chance after chance to kill Saul, to stage a coup, to take over by force, and why wouldn't he? Saul was terrible. He was literally unhinged. He was having some mental issues that were pretty profound, and it would have been the easiest thing in the world for him to rationalize that the, the idea that taking Israel by force was actually a good thing for him to do, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He waited on God to open that door and make, and make the way for it to happen. And the part of the reason he didn't do it was because of his friendship with Jonathan. I, I guess my point is this. Aristotle is entirely correct here that it's impossible to be virtuous without friends and that friends help us do better. When, when a friendship sits in God's hands, it lifts us beyond ourselves. It lifts us to a place of virtue and selflessness and nobility that I don't know how we get to on our own. It really does help us on the way. David and Jonathan both wanted what God wanted. They wanted what was best for Israel, and their friendship made both of them better. So by being prayerful and serving godly friends, God can actually use this dynamic to raise us up and make us better. He can use our friendship with the people around us to unleash the gospel in our generation in a way that he wants to move. This sounds crazy, but I think it's true. When we find real service for our friends in this way, it steals from our selfishness and our, our crazy ambition, and it moves us into God's own heart, like David in the books of Samuel. Friendship, it just makes us better. So pray for your friends, be intentional with your friends, look to serve. The last thing is this. Friend like Jesus friends, right? Friend like Jesus does. And in the passage we read at the very beginning, we says, this is my commandment, love each other as I have loved you. Greater mm -hmm. love is no one than this, if someone lays life down for his friends. And you are my friends if you get drawn into this story and into the heart of this gospel. And, and this is something amazing because as Jesus says over and over again, as he's going through 
uh, first century gallery says the kingdom of heaven is coming. And that's true. At the end of days, God will do his thing. Judgment day will, will happen and his judgments will be altogether righteous and true. But Jesus also said the kingdom of heaven is here, right? And you have these amazing outshinings of, of power and of miracles and of this amazing teaching and perspective. And, and he himself, as the incarnation, was the down payment of that idea. Jesus didn't just sit in heaven and issue holy decrees, although he could have done that. But he, he came himself as a baby, as a teenager, as a man. He walked around this earth a lot like we do. And his primary investment in people on earth in that first century, it wasn't just the miracles, although they were amazing. It wasn't just his teaching, although that was pretty good too. Outside of the cross and the resurrection, the deepest thing that Christ did was lay a foundation of, wait for it, friendship with his disciples. He lived with them. He lived with them for years. He invested his teaching. He invested his heart into them, and he did that day by day. He ate, he rested, he ministered, he taught. Everything he did, uh, he did in close proximity with them for years. And in our passage in John, he lets them in on the secret. That the mission that he's drawing them into, the calling that they accepted, was in co-service with Jesus, but they weren't just employees. They were now friends. And, and because of what Jesus has done, because of what he's done on the cross and this amazing, this amazing thing of the gospel, he sets us free to be better friends to each other. Knowing that he loves us in spite of our flaws, he'll never leave us. We're safe in this way and it's profound. In that light, I don't have to depend on you or on other friends for my emotional well-being. I'm okay. I can be okay. I don't have to put all my eggs in, in one basket and I don't have to, to look to you to meet all my emotional needs. God can fill that, fill that void. And at that point, I'm much more secure, and I can be a much better friend. And we all can be because of what Jesus has done. This is the mystery of friendship in the church. Then, between now and then, it's very much alive today. Look, it, in Scripture, Jesus says he will, that I will build my church, the, in the words of Jesus. And you can take that to the bank. He will build his church. He also says that the world will know that we're his by the love that we have for each mm -hmm. other. And that's primarily yeah. the love of friendship. It's a love that you guys have shown each other. It's the love that you guys have shown Betty these last couple of weeks. It's extraordinary, I'll be honest. It gives me hope that uh, that people are going to be okay. And it's it's this, it's this. This is the thing that I want to get to. The gospel as a foundation of friendship, it unites us beyond anything that would separate us. The cross of Christ and his grace that shines to us in forgiveness and restoration, it's bigger than anything. It's bigger than class. It's bigger than race. It's bigger than language or skin color or upbringing or education or lack of education. The love of God in the church doesn't care if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're a guy, if you're a girl, if you're tall, if you're not very tall. The cross just doesn't care. And when we're centered up in the gospel, we don't care very much either, right? You're my brother. You're my sister. And this has been true of every major revival that has ever happened. It burns across demographics. Cultural lines don't matter. They just blur and God does his thing. And this will be true of the next revival as well. And, and the mission that God gives us to love the people around us as best we can, it's the ultimate foundation for friendship. It's a great basis for, no kidding, friendship. And friendship that lasts forever. We stand shoulder to shoulder. We rejoice in the beauty of God. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of praise. And that's something amazing we have in common. When we ha and when we have God in common, who cares about our stupid differences, right? God in common just, just makes a lot of other stuff go away. When we stand shoulder to shoulder 
in generosity, in compassion, in reaching out to our community, in working to create environments where the gospel can shine, when we stand shoulder to shoulder, opening doors of love to people in our lives, releasing God and his word to do amazing things, and the people standing next to us, we might not have very much in common with them in terms of experience or work or upbringing, uh, family history. That doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because the love of God lifts us up and it sets us on equal footing. Billy Graham used to say that the ground around the cross was level ground, and that's exactly right. It doesn't matter where we've come from. It really doesn't matter where we're going. All of us, we all of us need the grace and love of God to surround us. We need that grace to surround us and bring us back to him, and that's true of all of us no matter where we came from. And when we come together as the local church and really get it, this love, this love, which is very much the high idea of friendship, it becomes our most powerful ally. It becomes an extraordinary comfort. It becomes a witness to the world of people who uh, think God is ridiculous. And yet they, they're, they're, they're amazed at the friendship that we'll have. And this kind of love overshadows the silly stuff that divides us. It's God's love. He loves all of us. And there's room for some great work in our generation, in our homes, our schools, our churches, in our workplaces, our relationships, in our bank accounts, in our music, and our care for our children. This kind of friendship is something that can lift us up. It can build us up. It can make us better. And it can be, well, it can be salational. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, I had to work in your mind. All right, so let's take a moment. Let's thank God for the gift of friends. And let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this uh, day you've given us. And, and thank you for the, the gift of friendship. Thank you for the friends that you sent into my life. Thank you for the friends that are coming. Lord, I pray that you would help me be a better friend uh, to everybody on this call. And just, uh, Lord, I pray that you would draw us together in ways that are just incredible and that help us become who you want us to be in a new and in amazing ways. In Jesus' name, amen.